soak it up with saliva before I chew it, so it's not as crunchy. No, no, I'll just have to like mute myself whenever I'm eating a chip, or you just whenever I'm actively actively chewing, I'll just mute myself. <laughs> no big. No, I've actually been enjoying. Just uh, ignore it. Just ignore weekend. it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you learn to. Been up to. You learn to ignore it. Um, well, I just took a Thursday, Friday off, and. I was hoping to have just a, a nice, relaxing weekend, but um, Brenda released a, a big collection for the shop for Wild Souls. So I saw um, that on Instagram. Yeah. Um, that was pretty pretty hectic. Yeah, I wanted to see the damage. I know I cut you off earlier. You were talking about your phone. <laughs> oh, shit. It goes vertical? I was all thinking it's going horizontal. Well, this is where it happened, right here. That's the impact? Okay. Yeah. And then it just kind of, like, as soon so, as I saw the lines, I was like, oh, fuck. Is that, like, a, a camera up at the top? Or is In that the just center. the pixels peeking through? No, because there's, oh, there's a camera, but it's, like, here, let me turn on the screen so you can see where the camera pinhole is. Oh, oh gotcha. Okay. It's, like, blended into the the screen. It looks I need dope. to find something with a white background so you can see the... I know, oh, I the know. pinhole. Yeah. Because basically it hit, and then it kind of like slid that way. So I think Ooh. there's actually a crack here, but you can't tell. Right, and then right. obviously there's the lines going down. But thank goodness. Damn. Um, they weren't able to. So they're telling me that basically what's going to happen, I asked, I was like, the worst you could say is no. So I'm just going to ask, can I just exchange it? And they're like, right. well, we can. She was, she was like, I'm going to be honest with you. You can try. Like, I'll, I'll transfer you to sales, and you can try and just tell me it's damaged, and there's dead pixels on the screen. And see what they say. Mm-hmm. So we tried that, and um, apparently, I have to actually like send my phone in so that they can like assess. Because maybe they get this all the time, and they want to make sure that I wasn't lying, like I was, and mm-hmm. um, and that it actually came that way or whatever. And so, like, they would have to. I would have to send the phone to somebody who would like assess the. And then they may or may not rule in my favor, and then and then I would have to return it and then buy it again. But they would price match for the discounts that I originally got. So um, I know, and so I bought the protection plan, which you can buy anytime within the first year of having okay. your phone. And it's active from the first day. There's want your money or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I have to pay 250 bucks for replacement. At least it's replacement, and it yeah. sounds like it's going to be brand new because it's, the phone just came out two days ago, so they don't have any refurbished ones yet. Right. And so they're going to send me the replacement, and then I have to send back the damaged one, obviously. But like 250 dollars is basically like the discount I got for pre-ordering. So <laughs> yeah, I just, what a mess. I just I know I just wish I never would have made that stupid ass mistake in the first place. But at least now I know like exactly how careful I need to be with it. You know what I mean? When you're packing any sort of box or, I mean, maybe if you're just using any sort of uh, tape gun, just don't have or anything hard it. at all. Yeah. I mean, normally like because of the kids and stuff, like I don't let the kids touch it at all. I actually kept my old pixel just for them. Right. And so like when they want to watch YouTube videos on the toilet or whatever, like they can use my mm-hmm. old phone. And so like, I usually keep it like somewhere up out of the way, like on the fireplace mantle or like on the, on the kitchen Island or like something, someplace I can't reach it. Yeah. And this was like the one time, like I had literally just responded to a text and my phone was open laying there. I responded to the text and then start packaging like right away. I didn't like scoot it away or anything. So that was like totally, Crap. but normally I keep it closed and I keep it far away, you know? Well, you know, all this uh, depressing talk, it actually kind of sets up Watchmen in a way, <laughs> right? I feel like, because Watchmen is not a very, 
uh, happy-go-lucky movie. You know, it's no, definitely I, not yeah, like a Disney movie or anything. I suppose that's kind of the point. Um, because it was, I think, I want to say it was the first or one of the first superhero, quote-unquote, comics that was written um, with the intention of showing the the main characters as deeply flawed, you know what I mean? Like especially like the comedian and Rorschach and stuff like that, like right, showing right. these characters with with their deep deep flaws and you know their their lives. They saved people or whatever, but like it was not always black and white, you know. You know, might as well just uh, get right into it then, so we can start talking about it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Affliction Autos Podcast, Episode 4. My name is Eric, and the other voice occupying your head this time is my one and only sister, Stephanie. What's up? <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. This is a monthly podcast where we mainly talk about films that we think are intriguing, engaging, thought-provoking, alluring, mind-numbingly terrible, or otherwise just entertaining to us. Uh, needless to say, we will be getting into spoilers here, so you have been warned. Also, we do condone foul language. So if you ain't ready, then get ready. Because in today's episode, we will be covering Watchmen. Watchmen. Let's get into it. Before you know, before we, we start talking about the movie itself, I wanted to do a little, a little background on this movie. Because you were saying, you know, obviously it's based off of uh, a, a graphic novel. So this is a graphic novel miniseries by DC Comics. <laughs> of the same name ran from 1986 to 87. So about a year, right? Yes. And a quick overview of the plot. Um, it's set in an alternate history in the year 1985 at the height of the cold war between the United States and the Soviet union, a group of mostly retired American superheroes investigates the murder of one of their own before uncovering an elaborate and deadly conspiracy while their moral limitations are challenged by the complex nature of the circumstances. I, I now, did want to ask you, yes. how did you even discover Watchmen? Because you were the one that told me about it. <laughs> well, back in college, I dated a dude who was into comics and he actually got me into um, comics such as Watchmen and V for Vendetta, also written by Alan Moore. Sick. They're both by the same person? Yes. No shit. Damn. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually found that out recently. I didn't realize. Um, and I read Watchmen. Did the, the, the movie V for Vendetta come out uh, before before Watchmen, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely before. And so I actually read both the comics. Um, I think I had seen V for Vendetta before I read the comics, but I read both the comics. Then I watched V for Vendetta again. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, the Watchmen came out in the theaters, and of course, we were very excited because I had just been introduced to the comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came out and, uh, four years before Watchmen. Right. Okay. Um, so we we were well versed in Watchmen, and I went to go see the movie, which is something I wanted to touch on. Um, I don't know how you felt or how other people feel, but I went mm-hmm. to see the movie with a few people and um, the people who had read the comic who saw the movie felt that they were able to understand what was going on. But the mm-hmm. person who hadn't read the comic was confused as fuck. I hear that's a very common thing with a lot of people that went to go see it. And I think that's why, 
um, the score isn't as high. Like, I think if you go to like Rotten Tomatoes, I, I think it sits around what, like 50 or 60 or something like that. Yeah, so and it's I feel pretty like low. that's, it has like a cult following amongst the people who have read the comic or people who, you know, got it or watched it enough times to get it or, or what. Um, mm-hmm. How did you feel about it? Having, you haven't read the comic, right? No, I haven't. So I remember before the movie came out, I want to say maybe even a couple of years before the movie came out, before it was even mentioned that it was in the works. You said, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, reading this this comic called Watchmen. It's pretty awesome. It, you know, it's like really dark and, and gritty and stuff like that. It's about superheroes, you know, that, that are, are pretty flawed. And I was like, yeah, it sounds dope. And I just didn't think anything of it because, you know, I'm not much of a, a comic book guy myself. So I wasn't really interested in actually uh, reading the source material. Yeah. And, but you said you loved it. And so I think when they really released good. the the trailer for the movie – um you were like super stoked about it and i was stoked because you told me how awesome it was so i'm like fuck you know let's (laughs) go let's go see it because you had already told me the story like the the entire story and i was still a little confused especially because i couldn't for the life of me ever remember what the villain's name was ozymandias yeah i'm like what the fuck kind of name is that so I could I could never remember that. I'm like, yeah, just the the bad guy, dude. I, whatever yeah, th- his name is. Thanks to that comic, you don't know how many times I have had to correct people's pronunciation of. Oh, Ozymandias. so what what is it? Oh, is that Ozymandias. really how it, you said? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're just like actually his name is is nothing like I just said it. Um, yeah, I, I think when I was reading the comic in my head, I was like Ozzy Mendias. Men- <laughs> you just put emphasis like everywhere but where it's supposed to be. I know, right? So. I think what what also got me hyped for it, on top of the fact that you you already told me uh, the the story about how how it went, was the awesome trailer that came out. Still to this day, I think it might be one of my favorite movie trailers. And I don't know if you remember, but it had Smashing Pumpkins. Oh yeah, I was going to say that on the trailer at all, but now that you so mentioned it, it's the the Smashing Pumpkins song. The beginning is the end is the beginning. That's the title of the song. Yes. And oh man, I, I even today before we went to uh, before we started the podcast, um, I went back and watched the trailer and man, that trailer is still awesome. I love it. I'm going to have to. It, I think it it, it's like the Again. song, the song perfectly sets up the movie because it's like really eerie, dreary, but but yet epic sounding, you know, and I feel yeah. like in a lot of ways that is Watchmen. Yeah, very much. And yeah, that trailer gave me goosebumps. But um, so I was I was super hyped with the trailer, went and watched it and didn't like it the first time. The I think a lot of people's complaint is the ending. I feel like the ending of the movie felt very anticlimactic, even when I rewatched it for this podcast. Yeah, I know. It's I can totally understand that. And I was actually um, reading a synopsis on it or something i think i was trying to like refresh my memory on the comics because i haven't mm-hmm. literally haven't read the comics since college which is like what 15 years mm-hmm. and um you know one of the things that you know a synopsis will mention is that they decided that ozymandias had to live and that his plan had to go through otherwise and it can yeah be stopped, otherwise basically. the states and the soviet union would be back at each other's throats and then there would be nuclear war for sure. They're, they're just kind of like walking on eggshells, you know, like oh, yeah. any, any second one could attack the other. Yeah. It was, it was just that very thin line, you know, that that was kind of like, yeah, I think it was even peace. I think in the, in the, in that universe, in that, you know, alternate history, it was even 
tighter. It was even, there was even more tension Mm -hmm. than there was in real life. Yeah. When it actually happened here, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's how I think they wanted wanted to play that up. The, the tension between the two. And so, um, they felt that if the plot was because they, it brought about the, the, they were, you know, uniting for against the common enemy. And so they felt that if the plot was revealed, you know, the tension would be higher than ever. And probably, you know, the Soviet Union would blame the U S for, for this happening. And Mm -hmm. then it would be crazy. It would, you know, it would turn into nuclear war like immediately. Sure. And so they decided that, yeah, they decided that, you know, they had to just let the plan go through um, but of course, and that, that was also in the. Here the we're talking about novel. the ending first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I do definitely want to get into the the whole Ozymandias plot because oh, that is yeah, the I, only thing that differs hugely between the comic and the movie. Best believe, we I was, was going to ask you about that because um, that was one of the things that when I saw it as a kid, I. I was completely confused. I was like, wait, what the fuck is happening? Why is he even, I, I feel like he's not, he's kind of a, a villain only because, you know, by normal standards and the basic principles of filmmaking, you kind of need to have a villain for the heroes to fight against. Right. And that's Yeah. He's not, he's not like a, a prototypical villain though. Yeah, he's he. There, no nobody in this comic is just straight black and white. No one's exactly. just good or just bad. All of them are a little bit good and a little bit bad in their own ways. And that's what makes them interesting. And, exactly. And so, um, you know, Ozymandias is quote unquote the villain of the story. But like, but is he really? Because he, exactly. I mean, you know, he his actions kind of uh, produce something positive in the end. But and yeah, that was we'll, his, that we'll was his whole that. goal. Yeah. yeah. I think this might have been the first time I had ever seen Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who is also famously Negan, Negan in The Walking Dead. But also he was in, you know, other movies, P.S. I Love You, stuff like that. I think he was also in Grey's Anatomy. That's that's how Brenda actually knows him. She's like, oh, it's the, oh, it's the doctor from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, he's the, Isn't he the dad in Supernatural? I think that's where I know him from. Supernatural? I haven't seen Supernatural. I'm pretty sure he's the dad in Supernatural. Dude, he's, see, he gets around, man. And he, yeah. I think he's still doing the whole Negan thing. I stopped watching Walking Dead after after Negan's introduction. Uh, I stopped watching after that season because honestly, the direction they were taking the Negan character, he was so interesting at the beginning, and then he just basically becomes like a good guy. I I didn't like the fact that he gave Rick so many chances, but you know, I don't even want to get into that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I... disappointing. Uh, we have we have some catching up to do, but we eventually plan to watch the whole thing. So oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if you noticed, but there's a recurring iconography throughout the movie, which I of thought course. was Are pretty interesting. Are you talking about the the happy face with the blood? It's the smiley face, and it's also uh, clocks. Clocks. Clock faces. Yes. Yeah. Those are those are like the two. I would say the two most famous. Uh, symbol symbols throughout the comic in the movie and even oh, the happy okay. face even the happy face represents a clock like the way the blood splatter is yeah it looks I like heard the about arm that. of a clock because it's always i noticed this so the the it's always kind of set to like around 10 minutes to midnight which i guess yeah, you know exactly. in a lot of, is the doomsday it, it, clock it's the doomsday clock yeah so and, and it's all i think it's always there to kind of remind you of like uh, where, you know, the, just the the atmosphere of the Cold War, you know, and there's always that fear yeah. of nuclear warfare and stuff like that. It's like always the imminent. The clock that's ticking, yeah. 
So yeah, I noticed that they always had that the smiley face kind of like tilted. So that way when the blood hit it, it hit it almost at like 10 minutes to midnight. And I yeah. thought that was interesting. And yeah, I think that's, that's what they're good. trying to go for. They wanted the, exactly. the smiley face to represent the doomsday clock. They sure did. I, I feel like I noticed this after watching the movie, but I almost feel like the logo for the movie kind of represents caution tape. So it's like this yellow band oh, with yeah. like just the Watchmen basic ass font. And the font mm-hmm. kind of resembles the caution tape font, at least to me yeah. anyway. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I can, I can totally see. Yeah, that is interesting. I can totally see that. I didn't think about that though. Um, but this what? this movie was coming off of... Um, so it, was, it's, it came out in 2009, directed by Zack Snyder, which I think he also has like a major cult following right now because of the whole mm-hmm. Justice League thing. Mm-hmm. Was it the the directors fighting with corporate? Yeah, so Snyder, he was fresh off of 300, and yeah. uh, he, he went right in. And I, I really felt like you can see a lot of similar qualities in Watchmen that were also present in 300. Like a lot of the visual effects were pretty see, similar. Yeah, and uh, like the camera effects and stuff like that. I felt like mm-hmm. there was a lot of the, the speeding up and slowing down kind of effects. that A lot of influence, know, that, right? Yeah, that gave that kind of 300 feel to the action scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think if nothing else, you know, Snyder, he's he's awesome when it comes to action scenes. I think so, he, too. He definitely yeah, knows I, how I to, to make yeah. some pretty badass fight scenes. Exactly. This movie, a, a lot of people were saying, um, I, and I didn't know this until I started actually like looking into the, the history of the Watchmen film, but a lot of people were saying like this movie could not be made into a live action film. Because it was in development hell basically since 1986, which was like wow, I didn't around know the year the graphic novel came out. And people ever since then, I think it was it was a big hit as soon as it came out. And people were like clamoring to make this into a live action film. But um, could you imagine someone attempting this back in 86? Heck no. Dude, it would actually, terrible, honestly, right? even the CG in 2000, this is 2008, right? Like even the CG was like. I thought I remember thinking it was amazing when I saw it in the theater, like Dr. Mm-hmm. Manhattan and stuff like that. But then when I watched it last night, I was just like <laughs> a little mm. cheesy. <laughs> it's just Dr. Manhattan's face when he talks is not natural. And yeah. I was like, they can do that so much better. Like deep fake technology and stuff like that nowadays is so good. Do you think, you know? do you think there was uh, some sort of just uncanny Valley when it came to Dr. Manhattan? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like his face I mean, just didn't look right. It looked kind of wonky. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, Speaking of Dr. Manhattan, I feel like when they went into his backstory, if I recall correctly, because I, I, I remember thinking this was so cool when I read the comic, he came back really slowly in the mm. comic. And just in the movie, it was just like, damn, you know, he was all of a sudden he just like exploded into in the middle <laughs> of the cafeteria or whatever. But I kid you not, like in the comic, he pieced himself back together little by little over like the course of weeks or something like that. And so you, you'd just be walking around the office and there would just be like a brain and a nervous system just kind of floating around the office. And it looked like he would add on like a ghost, not even, it's just like this, like this brain floating around, like as if he was a human walking, but it's just the brain and the nervous system. Right. And then he would just add on different parts. Like he would add on the skeleton and he would add on the muscles. And then eventually he'd add it on the skin and this and that. And it was just like really slowly layer by layer. Okay. Exactly. Layer by layer. It's how he did it. Right. um, And they kind of glossed over that a whole lot in the movie. (laughs) If I recall correctly, that's how it happened in the comic. And I was kind of disappointed the way they presented it in the movie, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see why he decided because you would need a lot of filler because you would need to That's portray true. weeks and weeks. And 
and just to just to serve some sort of um, uh, environment, like a setting for Doctor Manhattan to show up in certain forms, you know. Yeah. And so they, I think they did quickly go over that because they showed just the veins or something, and then he faded away, and then another scene. So they're insinuating that it's been like days, but I don't know mm-hmm. if you got the sense that it was weeks. But yeah, um, next, I feel like it was yeah. The I next time wrong, you saw him, he was he was wrong. like a, a, a blue skeleton, and then he just kind of ran into the wall, and then this little pulse came out and knocked papers around or whatever. So that was, I think that's w- when people were getting freaked out. They're like, "Oh man, this facility is haunted." And then he pops up in the cafeteria, fully yeah. formed. So I think they, you know, they they did gloss over they did a it a little bit. Yeah, I don't think they want to spend too much time on it, but they at the same time they wanted to show you that it was it was a phase. You know, it was it was a process. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, he had to fit a lot of content into what ended up being three hours, which is still pretty dang long for a movie. So he did. I think oh, he did definitely. a decent job. Yeah, what I, was I think, the running I think, time uh, for it? That was, it was I think it was two hours minutes. and 40. Okay, something like that. Wow, holy crap. But I was like, I remember I turned it on last night and I was just like, oh yeah, it's really freaking long. What'd you think of... Uh... The guy that played Doctor Manhattan. Did you did you like him? His name was I did like him. Billy Crudup. Was I've he in anything else anything that we've seen? Okay, I don't think so. Not that I've seen. I th- yeah, I think he I think he did a a fine job, kind of depicting that like kind of airy. You know, he's not all there all the time because he's everywhere else in the universe at the same time. Mm-hmm. Kind of feel you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how nothing you know stuff that didn't matter to him. They they didn't go over this really, but. Um, he was completely fine being naked. Obviously, you saw in the movie, right? All the time. But yeah. there was like an ordeal where um, he was trying to explain, like he, in the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter. Yeah. But they ended up making him put on the little black underwear. But that was part of the story, right? Yeah. So Doctor Manhattan tried to explain to them, like, why is it a big deal that I'm naked? And they're like, please, you know, it's just, especially back then, this was what pretty like, much, uh, yeah the 80s right so yeah <laughs> they're like please you know we don't want to see all your business down there pretty much but you know everything else like it wasn't freaky that he was glowing blue and he had like white eyes but they're like they were bothered by his penis hanging his penis out. yep mm-hmm. <laughs> his junk well you know during the the whole development hell with the watchman t- trying to get that into a live action film arnold schwarzenegger was actually considered for dr man <laughs> Shut up! That would have been Dude, terrible. That would have been hilarious. Oh and, uh, my god! Jude Law and Tom Cruise both expressed interest in playing Ozymandias. I can but see both of them in that role. Just that I think arrogant, egotistical. I know, you know right? Kind of prissy attitude. Yeah. But also, at the same time, you needed someone that was kind of badass. And I don't know if I would consider either one of them like really badass, you know, or like intimidating physically. And I think that's what that's why they casted uh, um, this guy for the film is because they wanted someone that was like tall and kind of you know he had like a pretty imposing stature, but he was also kind of a pretty face and yeah, so he and, and intelligent, so he was believably intelligent. Which, but I think um, they did a pretty. I think Matthew, they did a decent job on casting. Matthew Good was the guy that played mm. uh, Ozymandias, but yeah, I, I thought you know I thought it was a great cast. Um, well, well, what we ended up getting, not so much what they were proposing, because <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix was considered for Night Owl too. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, kind of, kind of a loner. Actually, the guy that they chose, I feel like he looks a little bit like Joaquin Phoenix. 
Really? You think so? Yeah, I can't. I can't remember his name. I feel like I, well, like, the when when he was done up in in his you know seventies middle aged dude night owl um, you know Dan look. I feel like he kind of kind of looked a little bit like Joaquin Phoenix. Patrick Wilson. Who, but, that guy, yeah, him, he still pops he himself, up in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he himself does not look like that at all in real life. You know, I remember I right. looked him up on IMDb and I was like, he looks nothing like that in the movie. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. He actually put on uh, forty pounds or something like that. Of, of wow, fat really? I thought it was a fat because, suit. Uh, no, because he, I think he wanted uh, to show that he was. He just kind of let himself go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's, that was a, a point in the comic too. Like he puts on the night owl outfit. And he has kind of a little bit of a gut. Oh, uh, it's like he has to like really squeeze in there. <laughs> Dude, I have something for you. I just remembered. Oh, brace yourself. I got something for you too. Oh, is that me? Just the best Rorschach. You in your Rorschach Sick. costume, dude. I forgot Along about trench that. Trench coat, Rorschach mask, hat. How how the hell did I not think to like talk about that when we uh, when we we're like setting up the podcast? I totally <laughs> forgot I was Rorschach, and I had the whole like I, get up and everything. The mask. I went. I went through a hard drive, a hard drive, and found wow. that today just for this. Dude, that was um, back at the condo. <laughs> Right? One, yeah, one thing that I like. Was. Yeah, one thing that I really like about this costume and also Rorschach in the movie is obviously mm-hmm. the mask. You're able to find a full, a full face coverage mask mm-hmm. that you were still able to see through. Yeah. But speaking of his mask, I thought it was really interesting because they were, did a good job of portraying in the comic that it was a dynamic mask, that it was yeah. always moving. They had a great opportunity to portray that in the movie because, you know, obviously you can see it always moving in the movie and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not it wasn't just like like it, that thing was just always kind of flowing like a lava lamp almost yeah it was, it was basically it a lava lamp. Like, yeah and it could have been like oh it just snaps from one to another or something like that you know but they did like this you know flowing to it and it was just really cool oh really speaking of that. rorschach check this out i i don't know if you've are you already know about this but i found this out when i was uh just reading about the movie so screenwriter david hater has test footage on YouTube with his interpretation of Watchmen because this was like the first draft of Watchmen. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you just go check it out because it's only like four minutes. Okay. And it is sick. It's, yeah. it's so cool. And I think you'll you'll definitely recognize the 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 scene that they were trying to portray. Because okay. it's it's a similar one. Here I'll send you the link to it. Okay. That's really cool. Oh, I look forward yeah. to that. This is awesome. Hey. So check that out really quick. And I want to get your thoughts on it. 2003. That's when this clip came out. David Hayter's test footage of Watchmen. That is a long intro there. Even the intro, it, it feels like very much like like early 90s superhero flick. The, the Tim Burton Batman theme or something. Yeah. Where he comes in and he's eating a can of beans. That actually happens in the comic. And the scene in the movie is actually not too far off from this one. It even specifies in, well, I mean, obviously you can see it in the comic that he just pulls up the mask. Because uh, Rorschach doesn't ever want anyone knowing what he looks like, right? Yeah. He's really protective of his identity. Which he explains in the movie. Because the mask is his real face. Yeah. <laughs> Do you notice who's playing Dan? Who is that? Human being. That's Jorah Mormont. From Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's that's wild, right? That's hilarious. You know what's you know what's interesting is mm. that um, Alan Moore is British, and I didn't I didn't actually know this. Oh yeah, yeah. And 
I, I think I just assumed he was American because like the whole comic takes place in America. Right. Except right. the part that's in Antarctica. Uh-huh. The mask itself doesn't move. It's just like different every once in a while. Yeah. When it switches back to his face. I was just about to say they, since they didn't have the technology for it, I think they, they just give him a different mask each time. Like yeah. Every, and I was thinking scene. like they could, they could have done that for the actual movie, but they mm. made it move. And I really yeah. like that. Do you think it's based off of his, his mood or, you know, I don't know. Inflection. I don't I wonder like what, why I, I, the patterns change like they do. I feel like I, su- I assume it's random, but I don't know if they uh, go over that in the comic. But in my head, I've always kind of just felt like it was random. You know, that might be the fact that it's it's like them doing a Rorschach test on us. The inkblot test yeah. is like, are we trying to depict something that isn't even there? You know, like, yeah. they're like what do you think of these these pictures? I'm like, oh, that's because he's, he's kind of frustrated with Dan in the scene. <laughs> you know, right. I'm just like pretty- making some shit up. <laughs> the the clock i think the clock in the background is like 10 minutes to midnight and i thought you know what if this movie came out back then in what 2003 i would have totally freaking watched it because i thought this little test clip was pretty awesome it was very 2003 that's for sure it, it was very early 2000s but i i felt like it was well acted and yeah, I, I liked the the direction that was going it was dramatic but i guess that's kind of the point with rorschach because he's kind of like a film noir character with his narration and his journaling mm-hmm. and his costume and oh very much so definitely yeah. i mean just look so at that's kind of how that there's that that scene <laughs> that little screen test scene felt to me was you know a little over dramatic over a little overdone how, how cool is it to dig something like that up that i bet i know people so just cool. completely forgot about and i went back never knowing that that even existed and i'm watching it and i had like the biggest smile on my face because um i knew how the the scene was in the the film that came out and then watching it i'm like man it's it's interesting seeing a different depiction of that same scene because everyone's gonna visualize it differently yeah i'll tell you what the rorschach's costume looked hella cheap in that that test footage it looked like (laughs) he got it from uh like party plus or something it looks like your costume oh (laughs) actually kind of yeah I think mine actually looked a little bit more legit than that one. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you guys got it from the same place. Yeah, and like you said, you know, the the film, you know, if if not just for Rorschach, but I, I feel like other parts of the, the the movie has a noir feel to it as well. And, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's not necessarily a black and white film, but I feel like yeah. everything is still pretty drab and void of most color. And the the movie does span from like the 40s to the 80s so it kind of makes sense yeah i mean with all the flashbacks and i think that's one of the reasons why people had issues with it is because it would jump back and forth a lot between the flashbacks from the minutemen which were the original Mm -hmm. crew Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the comedian who is apparently old as shit was also on the original crew that was the, the original incarnation of like a superhero group in general right yeah, and so it was, you know, it was obviously the comedian and um, Silk Spectre one, the first Night Owl, and a few other people that aren't around anymore. But it's interesting because those people, those mantles, were carried on by new people. I mean, obviously in Silk Spectre's case, her daughter, and then other people. They're, you know, just retired or left or whatever. Um, so what, what then, were your your thoughts on the Minutemen? Because for me, I felt like they they did kind of gloss over a lot of the characters, but the most notable ones for me having not read the source material is, is always just OG Silk Spectre, 
the comedian and hooded justice. I felt like they were the, the most prominent ones, the ones that kind of stood out in the film. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, those were, those were probably the ones that they went over the most similar to the movie because of the backstories, because of how they led to, you know, Silk Spectre two and, you know, how, how the comedian ended up being uh, Laurie's father and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hooded justice because of his role in, you know, stopping the rave and, mm-hmm. um, and what's interesting about think- hooded justice too, is that he was in kind of similar to Rorschach. He, no one ever knew what he looked like, right? His actually spoiler alert. They go a lot deeper into hooded justice in the Watchmen show on HBO, which I right. fully recommend. If yep. you haven't seen it yet. Oh, Brenda loves the the show. And I, I think oh, a lot of so it good. is it's uh, really close. It's even closer to the source material than the movie itself, right? Yes, yes, because, I mean, it is a continuation. I don't feel like, they, they, do you know if they made another comic? They didn't, right? No, I feel like there was another comic. Oh, was there? But I'm not sure if that's similar. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if it was um, related to the show at all. But okay. in the show, okay, so I guess I'll, I guess I'll jump into this now, the ending where they switched out the devastation, the event, the climax, yeah, the climax, the climax yeah, of the, the climax. Mm-hmm. So in the comic, Ozymandias arranges for there to be a giant squid, and the giant squid, he basically teleports just into the middle of New York City, and so you have like tentacles like going through buildings and like coming out of everywhere, and to make it seem like it's attacking the city, right? To but make it seem like it was an alien attack. I can kind of understand why they changed it for the movie because I feel like a giant squid would not have flown very well in 2008. And I even felt that way then too. I was like, nobody would have bought the giant squid. Everyone would be like, this is dumb. Do you feel like it makes more sense in graphic novel form? But then once you try to adapt that to real life, you're like, okay, that's a little weird. Yes. So that's how I felt. So I felt (laughs) like I... The change, the change was there, and I, I felt like they made that change for a good reason. Even though the, you know, obviously the original, but they, I mean, they stuck to the source material otherwise pretty well. So I thought, mm-hmm. you know, they, if they had, a, if they had to make a change, this video was for a good reason. Mm-hmm. And and um, and so they ended up having uh, an energy event similar to Doctor Manhattan's powers to make it look like it was Doctor Manhattan. It's basically like a, an explosion, right? Like they set off bombs yeah. in uh, major cities around the world and made it seem like Doctor Manhattan was just going off the rails. Yeah, to make much. him the bad guy and the scapegoat. Yeah, but in the comic, you know, the only bad guy that he is is that he you know, caused a bunch of people cancer, which, you know, obviously was, it was debunked it was staged. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was staged. Do you um, think uh, this was hands down the biggest deviation from the source material? Was that cli- climax at the yes. end? Okay. Because everything else, everything else pretty much followed the, the way that des- the, the way that they decided to let Ozymandias go and the way that Rorschach was still going to out him. And then mm-hmm. how Dr. Manhattan had to kill him. Had to stop him. Yeah. Physically. Yeah, and then and then how his I think it was in the comic too the way his blood splatter looked like an Rorschach test. A Rorschach, yeah, which you know it's it's irony. <laughs> exactly, um, but I feel like it was great that in the show they went into um, you would just get random baby squid rains. Yeah, in and the it show. ended mm-hmm. up also being related to Ozymandias. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it was kind of them trying to at least bring it back to how it was in the graphic novel because yeah. you know give it some sort of nod because I think in in the show uh, the way that they set it up 
it wasn't too far fetched where people were gonna they're gonna lose a lot of people watching the show. Yeah, I feel like, like I feel like with how much stuff was out there by this point, you know, with stuff like The Walking Dead you're, and all the other superhero movies and stuff like that, people <laughs> no people in general, like the general public, is a little bit more willing to accept the far fetched like that. Hmm. They're willing to you know suspend their disbelief a little bit more. Sure, um, yeah, I could see that nowadays and so i feel like if they did the squid monster today it would have worked a little better than had than in 2008 Plus where like movies were a little newer ish i think the yeah, cgi would this, be would, that probably, would help a lot yeah although i would i would love to see them attempt some sort of animatronic <laughs> squid squid monster <laughs> actually it, it arrives dead ozymandias's goal was oh. for it to arrive alive uh-huh. But at some point, every time he would do a teleport test with a, with a squid, it would always arrive dead, and he couldn't figure out why in the hell. But you he decided think... to go through with it anyway because it was still going to kill a bunch of people. Right. It was just going to squish a bunch of people. You know, even then, because the fact that he's kind of piecing – he's deconstructing this thing and then constructing it back together, it wasn't essentially like how he was kind of teleporting it. And then, Or was that just yeah. the machine in the I think he, well, he, he was using the machine to teleport it. Uh, okay. Because obviously Doctor Manhattan could teleport people fine. Well, I mean they they wouldn't be fine, but judging by uh, Lori, how Lori's she was, she would always get yeah motion sickness. Yeah, she was the only one though. But um, but Ozymandias in the comic could not get the teleporting. You know, oh spot he couldn't he couldn't away. imitate it. Oh, he couldn't imitate okay. it, which is why the squids always ended up arriving dead. Interesting. I like how he his plan was kind of fucked up or is half assed, but he's like you know let's just go through with it. It'll, yeah, it'll like had- but see, I think that's where maybe I'm, I'm just geared towards expecting this now, but I think that's where the, the anticlimactic ending came from, for me anyway, was the fact that while they're sitting around arguing with Ozymandias in his lair, everything's happening in New York, far away from where the hell they are, and it all happens off screen, you know, like even... Even Lori and Dr. Manhattan come back from Mars to like destruction. They're like, oh shit, what the hell happened? So it's like none of them had to do any fighting together to like overcome this giant, uh, this giant monster or anything like that. You know, this, this no, big this villainous threat. monster. Yeah. 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 I can see that. It kind of reminds me of, um, you know, the last Twilight. I'm sure people are so happy to hear about this right now. But oh, damn. In the Spoilers last Twilight, for Twilight. <laughs> oh, here we go. The last Twilight, there is no fight at all. And so it's completely anticlimactic. And they just resolved everything through, you know, so good old-fashioned dialogue. You're talking about the books, though, because yes, they I'm actually the give you that in the movie. Exactly. So that's, that was my point, is that when they made the movie, they they had to ham it up with an entire fight scene that happens – you know, it's just Alice showing uh, Arrow the future. Like, this is what could happen if you decide to act right now. And they put right. a whole... And I, was, I thought it was a really great way to insert some action where there was never any action yeah. to keep the interest of the audience and smart. make it good. I'll say I that, was, was that was a it genius was, It was definitely move. a mindfuck. Because still for, gets you, me to this day every time I see it. for you being a hardcore fan, you were pissed that everyone died. Dude, everyone I remember was. you were like, what the fuck is this garbage? And then when they like zoom out and it's like just a vision, you're like, oh shit. It was so good. I remember like people were like walking out or like threatening to walk out. And I remember seeing on Facebook, people would comment like, I was so pissed. I was about to walk out. It was so good. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, how, and then I finally saw extremes. it. 
Exactly. And then I ended up posting something similar, like, oh my God, I was so mad. It was so amazing. You know, like that sort of thing. <laughs> it was so amazing. I was getting ready to walk out. <laughs> well, it wasn't amazing until after the mad part, but like yeah, when you yeah. find out what it really is, you know, and oh, it was, it was I just, I always talk about it. I always talk about it. I, to this day, it still gets me every time oh, I watch it's, it. It's genius. It's so I, I wasn't even into the series, you know, like everyone the else. The fact that but, they were able to perfectly follow the yeah. book and still insert a buttload of action where there was no action in the book. Yeah. You, like you guys explained it to me, you know, like this is how the ending went. And I thought what from going with that and then seeing the movie, I was like, that's a fucking awesome way to end the movie. I thought that was I great. Agree. So, yeah, anyway, that's kind of what that reminded me of, except – they didn't put in the action to like keep you entertained. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I felt like the characters were interesting enough to be able to, to hold down the movie by themselves. So I guess in a lot of ways I'm able to enjoy it more now because as a kid, you just, you want that action. You want the like Michael Bay shit, you know? I, and yeah, exactly. I feel like now I'm more interested in the dialogue and the character development and stuff like that. And I mean, that's why my favorite character is is Rorschach, because he's just an awesomely flawed character, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I, I can respect the fact that he, you know, he stayed true to he had his morals and he wasn't going to fucking give that shit up for anything, you know, like he would yeah. he would ha- go through every single one of the Watchmen if they try to stop him, you know, yeah. because like he, he he tried to. Yeah, he was yeah, about exactly. to. He didn't give a fuck. Like he respected everyone. You know, he, he was, he was loyal to them and everything, but like, he was also, he was even more loyal to the truth. And he, he felt like mm-hmm. the people deserved that. And, you know, I, I respect him for that. Like he, he didn't back down Absolutely. where everyone else did, you know, everyone else kind of was like, well, you know, it maybe, maybe, you know, he did something good and you are right. And, and even Dr. Manhattan, who was, who was just like, damn, you know, like I agree with what you did. Like, this is, this is kind of what they needed. And, yeah. uh, but Rorschach he could see was the like, bigger no. picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could he could see the bigger picture. He could see how it would impact, you know, the world either way. And so he he decided. I don't know if it, you know. Obviously, we, we don't know, but yeah. he decided that it was better to let the plan go through. And yeah, Rorschach was just not having it. Did you he did you have any favorite characters? Um, whether like. I don't, I don't know if you had a favorite character that was in the graphic novel that may have changed in, in the movie, but I was just curious to see if like you, you had like a favorite character in general. Honestly, I feel like for me in the comic, I don't know if this is stupid or not, right? But for me in the comic, I just loved the way that Dr. Manhattan came back together mm-hmm. so much. And I thought his character was so interesting. I, I, I don't know if I want to say he's my favorite, but maybe he is my favorite, but I just... He, I just felt like he was very interesting. I felt like his his view, you know, his godlike view on everything was very interesting and intriguing to me. How it would really be if you were that. That was, before. you know, I, w- I would even say that was part of like what made the trailer so awesome. And uh, even the full scene in the movie when Dr. Manhattan was, was created, it was just so visually amazing. I, I love yeah. the fact that. It, they they really built up the the anticipation for it you know the that door locks in the chamber and he's just like and you, he kind of glances down and he sees the arm uh the hair on his arm sticking up you know and it's kind of emitting yeah. some electrical charges and i think that's because he's you know he's intelligent he's really smart uh even before everything went down and well, he, I mean, was, yeah, he knew how the experiment would go so he knew as soon as he was locked in there that he was a goner he was fucked and but at the same time he was like oh shit like 
what the he I don't even think he understood what was going to happen because he you know they ran these experiments knowing uh, what the results were going to be because what were they working on were they trying to work on like the um, like self sustaining energy or something like that I think so I something like I honestly do not remember fully because he, he continued um, that work even yeah, he, once he became Doctor Manhattan yeah and then he well I think I think he assumed he was just going to die and mm-hmm. that was just going to be it like no one expected because nobody else. As far as I can recall, nobody else actually had any sort of superhuman powers. Right. It was just Dr. Manhattan. I think for the most part, everyone just had the strength, speed, endurance, and durability. You know, like the basic stuff. Just like lifelong but, training, like Batman kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Batman could get thrown through like a fucking steel wall and he's fine, you know? Yeah. But so, um, so yeah, could Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, well, he could punch through like solid cinder yeah. blocks. Yeah, yeah. But he was also built like a linebacker. Omnipotent (laughs) thing going on. So yeah, and um, yeah, Doctor Manhattan. Basically, I think he kind of made up for the fact that no one else had like really extravagant powers because Doctor Manhattan was his his abilities were pretty much limitless from what I could tell. And actually, I mean, if you recall in the show, he ends up creating a whole like world for Ozymandias on the moon. Mm -hmm. You know, with like this little life creating lake and everything. Did you actually Mm -hmm. watch it? Yeah, or is it just yeah, finished it. Okay. Yeah. Just he can, you know, he created his castle on Mars. He could just create stuff where, you know, that's against the laws of physics because he can't create yeah. matter and whatnot. Yeah, and it was it was he interesting because life, you know? he was his character was designed to be overpowered, you know. Like he could basically do anything. He was untouchable. Everyone was and and they they play that into the story because luckily he was already aligned with uh, the United States and so the United States yeah. government utilized him to as a weapon and as an intimidation factor for other countries that oppose them. Exactly. I mean they literally used him to, to win the Vietnam War. Yeah. Exactly. Single handedly almost. Yep. I think the other the other guys have a little something to do with it, but Oh yeah. Yeah. And um I thought, you know, his his whole disconnect from humanity was interesting because it is the whole oh, yeah. like, well, he he can he perceives time differently and so our little whatever issues that we have going on have nothing like no exactly. impact They're on so the insignificant. galaxy and i feel like it's so much so interesting too the way they delved more into that um in in the show and yep. yeah he just he's such an interesting character what did you think of dr manhattan and silk specter's relationship it was i don't know why he i feel like a, a human relationship like that wouldn't really matter much to him you know what i mean mm. so why was he in one kind of thing because so he, well, some of his humanity two. must have still been there. Yeah, that's right. true. Some of his humanity, well, because he was also with Jane. He he was stayed with Janie. <clears> he was with he was she left still him. with Janie once he transformed. And then he was with Lori. Yeah. Right. And then um, obviously we see he is with um, I can't remember her, the main character's name in the show. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Because he was, you know, he was masquerading as the as the human husband. Yeah, yeah. But really, it was her and Doctor Manhattan. He was kind of a sleeper agent, right? Like, cause he, his his yeah. memory was wiped or something like that. Yeah, he had to like do that to himself basically to protect everybody. I did think that's still along the same lines of like, why would he even bother being in a, in a human relationship? I still carried that, that through just, into yeah. the show. I was like, why the fuck would he be with yeah. her? Yeah, I feel like that must just prove that some of his humanity is still there some of that the c- yeah. capability of feeling is still there you know what i mean because and otherwise I, how would he fall in love especially fall in love so hard with somebody true, like yeah like in the show um, and I, I did feel like he even while he was dating Lori, 
he did you notice he still had Janie's picture and he he like tucks that in his pocket so he he still felt stuff for Janie That's even though true. she was like long gone she was like years past right yeah and um but he still like kept her picture and he still like kept it close to him and he, he like but, protected yeah, that other, photo other than that though you know maybe it was to remember himself though maybe yeah, that so. had nothing to do with Janie because he huh. they did mention that that was like the only picture of him that they had Oh, he didn't like so to take at photos his funeral, in I guess yeah. so I, at the funeral, that was the picture that they had. They had at his funeral because that was the only picture of him that they had. And so oh. maybe he was like keeping a piece of himself, you know, so he can remember himself. And I did think that uh, over time he did become more and more disconnected. So I think he was still kind of himself. He was still, uh, you know, he still had some of his humanity. And I think that's why he was able to uh, find Silk Spectre, you know, Lori um jupiter a- attractive and he wanted to pursue that relationship and he yeah. so much that he cheated on Janie, you know to get yeah. with her and i don't know what he saw in her though to be honest she was kind of whatever i feel like she was just kind of like the stereotypical like whiny you know girl obviously she was a badass oh, because she was interesting you know i was him, but... i was curious to see what you were going to think about like the only female on the team she's a little bit annoying really I mean, so when you... she was fighting and stuff like when she was I feel like when she was with Dan, she was fine. But then when she okay. was with Dr. Manhattan, she was just like, why don't you ever pay attention to me? Yeah. You won't I even mean, fuck me right. I kind of I get it, though, from her point of view. Like, she's just like... She she's like what I she want- was signing up for. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, it was, at the same time, like, once you... I think the magic wore off, in a sense. Like, she, she saw him. She's like, oh, man, this guy can fucking, like, blow up the world if you wanted to. That power is kind of hot. Because I don't know if you noticed, like, in that, that little photo shoot that they... Oh, yeah, that she kind of, like, looks Watchmen had. She glances at, at Dan, you know, and they... You know, he kind of gives her, like, that that smile, you know, mm-hmm. that he was he was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm kind of interested. Well, she, like, and, t- she turns around and looks at Dr. Manhattan and gives him eyes. Uh huh. Yeah. So she looks. She looks past him, and then she like gives Doctor Manhattan even more of a look. So she at least she can kick ass, but at the same time, you know, she can. Yeah, be, I think. Yeah, if I feel like it was just with. I mean, I could see, like how I her feelings with Doctor Manhattan were valid, but what was she freaking expecting? She yeah. knew who the heck he was. Mm-hmm. You know. So I feel like that annoyed me. I think maybe in a lot of ways because she was always around uh, kind of these polarizing characters and maybe a lot of machismo. So she was attracted to the fact that like this guy is like the most powerful guy in the room. He commands everyone's attention when he shows up. And, and even true. though even though he doesn't he doesn't want to, he's not looking for that. I think he is just inherent in the fact that like, you know, he's he's this fucking walking god and he glows blue. He stands out. So as soon as he shows up. He just fucking teleports in the middle of the room and everyone just like stops talking and they just pay attention because you don't want to piss them off. You know, I almost feel like there's always, they're kind of always on edge around him. Yeah. You never know if yeah. he just decides to do the little finger snap. And I don't, then really, feel, I don't really feel like he's, I know he, obviously he has immense power, but I don't really feel like he's all that threatening. You know what I mean? He's so mm-hmm. calm and, and Zen think, about everything. Oh yeah. Because it, none, it, that, none of that stuff matters to him. You know what I mean? He doesn't need to, yeah. Draw any aggression to be able to fight. Like he just walks through. He's like, all right, let me just vaporize this guy. Boom. All right, cool. What else? What else yeah. do you guys need? And that's it. Like it's, it's effortless. He doesn't have to try for anything. Yeah. Um, I, I was wondering what, where did the silk specter name even come from? Like, what does that even mean? You know, like, I guess she gets it from her mom, but like, where did Sally get it from? That is a good question. I have no idea if they went over that in the comic. I don't feel like that's something that they went over in the comic because 
they didn't go like that far into their backstories of how how they were created, mm-hmm. you know. Because I don't know how the how the comedian came to be or how Silk Spectre came to be. And we only find out about Hooded Justice because of the show. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and what the fuck is Ozymandias again, right? Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what that means, but um, you know, I did I did think that Lori was kind of the strong female character in contrast to her mom who was who had kind of like this perceived or possibly disillusioned physical mental or moral strength she put on this front but she wasn't really strong in any sense you know i felt like she was actually like very weak and that's where Lori is the the contrast to her is that she's very mentally strong physically strong and all that stuff and and she's she's capable of handling herself she was uh strong in the sense that she was you know a superhero and save lives and this and that, but her mm. own character was kind of weak. I would say, I mean, she was dealing with like a lot of mental issues, maybe, you know, just from like not having a father growing up and, you know, she, she kind of had an estranged relationship with her mom. Yeah. But, you know, in a lot of ways, her mom caused that. So I, I feel like despite of all that, she was actually pretty, pretty grounded and pretty mentally strong. Yeah. At least in my opinion. I can see that. Um, speaking of Ozymandias, though, I felt like a lot of the, the stuff surrounding Ozymandias was kind of Greekish, you know? Like, he kind of had the little, like, Greek, you know, like, head, head thing that... Yeah, uh-huh. and, uh, and you know, his his costume kind of portrayed that to me a little bit, too. Um, and But he also was into, like, Egyptian stuff, because I don't know if you mm. noticed his, his... I can't his remember temple. what his cat's name was, but his cat's name was something Egyptian, and then like he had Sphinx, that book... Right? Something like that, yeah. And then he had that book um, that was about Ramses II, mm. who was one of the, the Egyptian pharaohs. And I just looked it up. Ozymandias is the Greek name for Ramses II. Oh, interesting. Huh. Wow. So I never knew so that. So Greek and Egyptian uh, influence there. Yeah, interesting. Okay, okay. So that was that's the, the equivalent name of Ramses? Apparently. Okay. Huh. In Greek. Interesting. Yeah, that's actually pretty badass. Since we're talking about him, I mean, I guess we can get into the fact that villain or not villain? What do you think? I think it is not that simple. Hmm. Um, to me, to me, selfish. Okay. Which could go either way. Obviously, I mean, yeah. he put on the front that he was trying to... Um, oh, you know what I just remembered? Hmm. I just remembered why, why he comes off selfish to me. In the comic, the squid monster is supposed to kill everybody and if he was originally the squid monster was supposed to arrive alive so that he could fight it and be the savior oh okay if i recall correctly that's how it was and that's why he was so pissed that the squid monster kept arriving dead <laughs> well he he wouldn't have been able to go fight it anyway because he he had to deal with the watchman right like showing up at well, his I mean, at that point, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that was his original plan. Oh, okay. I think I think he switched gears when he couldn't get the squid to arrive alive. But, but gotcha. yeah, that's why okay. I, I think that's why he come. You know, in my head, he is that arrogant, egotistical, selfish dude. Like he's just in it for the glory for himself, and he kind of always has been yeah. because he sold out before anybody else did, even before the the uh, Keen Act, which made you everybody know, it- else. It is interesting. I I do think he is a villain in a traditional sense, but he he does his acts are untraditional. So he, you know, he's the self-made, extremely successful, like billionaire kind of entrepreneur, right? Like, I don't do you yeah. do you understand what his company was? 
Like what? What was what was his company even supposed to be doing? I don't even know. I I just kind of assumed it was a big corporation that did whatever the heck they wanted, Some like generic corporation, a Stark yeah. or something. Okay, um, yeah, he, he's essentially like he reminded me a lot of Bruce Wayne in a sense, you know, like he's just yeah. like this very intelligent. He kind of had like this corporation, you know, Wayne Inter- Enterprises that was kind of a front. <laughs> if you want, um, if yeah, you exactly. No, I think she's just she's just lane. She just always find a finds a place to lay near us. Um, but I feel like he, you know, he used his his uh, his power and his notoriety and his wealth and everything like that to do good things. But I I feel like it was all from a selfish place. Like he did it mm. for recognition and glory rather than to actually yeah. help people. And that's why I was saying he's he's a villain in the traditional sense, but he's yeah. almost like an anti-villain. Yeah, I know. So he's he's like a villain that does like heroic Good things. Thing? Yeah, so exactly. He, you know, he he wants to save the reason. world from imminent global catastrophe, and that's why he concocts this giant plan. You know, it's and in his sense, he's like, well, you kind of have to, you have to have some collateral to save the world. So you know, it is what it is. Man. I want to, I'm going to have to go back later and make sure I wasn't completely wrong about that. Cause I know that it, there was still the whole plot of, you know, him ha- causing this c- catastrophe to get the U S and the USSR off each other's backs. You know, there, I mean? yeah, that was still, that I, was still part of it for sure. I think now that um, I'm, we're, we're kind of discussing that it, it does make a little bit more sense to me. Some of the actions he took though, didn't quite make sense. Like why kill the comedian? You know, like why was he number one on the hit list? In order to to kickstart this plan of his, he was the first one who found out about Ozymandias' real plan. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. See, I don't, I don't think they ever that mentioned the that in the movie. Oh, did they? They did mention that in the movie. It was oh, it was really quick though. Interesting. Towards the end. So I was thinking maybe because the comedian just inherently he was he was kind of paranoid and and suspicious, but also at the same time, do you think he was the most woke? You know, of everyone, like, was he the most aware? And so that's why I think so. Um, a he, lot was of people, the one who, he was the one who was like, it's all a joke. And yeah. That was the whole point of the comedian, right? I, I think he knew he understood what was happening and he just let it happen. And he just, he yeah. kind of got like a weird, well, like satisfaction of watching shit hit the fan. This, this might jog your memory, but um, he, Ozymandias mentions towards the end that um, the comedian found out about his plan. And the more he found out, that was when he kind of started losing it. And that was why he oh. went to Moloch and like, con, you know, and, and broke down bared his soul. Yeah. Broke down in front of him and stuff like that. And oh, okay. um, yeah, so that's what he was explaining. That's what uh, I thought Ozymandias he was just was getting the end. PTSD from just all the, the crazy shit that he, <laughs> he did in his life. But yeah, I, I did feel like he was the most aware out of everyone. And um, I, I think a lot of people just, took his word with a grain of salt because they're like, this guy's fucking wacko. You know, he's off the rails. And, he, and also at the same time, he was an he asshole. Was so nice. no one, yeah. no one wanted to be his friend. No one wanted to listen to him. Yeah. He was, he, I mean, he was narcissistic, but he wasn't exactly lying about his worldview. You know what I mean? He yeah. wasn't exactly wrong. Yeah. You know, he, that doesn't arrogant. mean he was a good guy or anything like that. He, he was an arrogant psycho and his heartless, but at the same time, you know, he was, he was, he was courageous and he was, he was charming, you know, and, and you really get the sense because he was kind of a womanizer at the same time. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, and he, he was charming enough to Sally for even after that attempted rape 
that like right? she actually wanted to pursue that again. I know. know? Actually, like, I mean, that was part of her weak character for her to. Uh, I mean, yeah, he might have been charming enough, but also, yeah, she went back to that, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, kind of the way Lori felt. Like, why would you go back to him? Yeah, and, and I, I, that's why Lori always her. she dis- she didn't respect her mom at all because of that. Because she heard stories about that. Well, she didn't. Well, she didn't know that he was her dad. Oh, at the but, time. But I think she knew that she that he that her mom went back because he, it was like when when Doctor Manhattan showed her, and then she finally put those pieces together. Like the pieces were all there, but she just mm-hmm. didn't put them together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the only person we haven't talked about yet is Night Owl. Uh, your favorite character? <laughs> Obviously, I feel like I, like I was about to be like, oh, you know, I gotta go, but I'm like, we gotta at least give him some time because yeah, true, true. He's the only character we haven't talked about, and that's. But he was so, like the most boring. He had like the technology. He had the ship, you know. He had the technology, kind of like Batman. He had the whole bird, you know, pointy ear kind of constant thing going on, like Batman. Yeah, but I was, was going to say that, like what he's pretty much a blatant ripoff of Batman, right? In both look I think that and was actually like the point. Style. I think that might have been. I think that might have been a joke. And it's also, kind of you know, it's also by DC. Like Batman's a DC character. Watchmen's yeah. a DC series. So. Yeah, I feel I like know. it was. I feel like that was kind of the joke of the a joke of the comic, but but um, in a other lot than of ways, that, he was like completely boring. In a lot of ways, you know, he was he was the rock, like he was the most grounded out of everyone, and I think in a, he, he kind of played a similar role to the original. Uh, he was like the equivalent of the original Night Owl in the Minutemen because uh, I heard that he was kind of like the most grounded out of everyone in the Minutemen as well, and I think he there wasn't as much drama when it came to night owl and he got along with pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. I think he, he had a friendly relationship with pretty much every member of the Minutemen, And, yeah. you know, he was, he was happy to, to take Dan under his wing and, and basically take him on as a protege. And eventually yeah, and he like handed Dan was the, the night only owl. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dan was the only one who actually partnered with Rorschach for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Rorschach was part of the Watchmen or whatever, but the, like Dan and, and Rorschach or Night Owl and mm-hmm. Rorschach actually functioned as actual partners for a while, um, you know, doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I want to mention that that's something that, that they show a lot in the comics, speaking of Rorschach, is they have this like, you know, this protester guy with a sign. Oh, no, he, he's one of those guys with, like with the end is nigh sign kind of thing. He's, he's He just puts himself out as crazy. And he's just shouting that the world is coming to an end out yeah, on the yeah. street or whatever. And he is throughout the comic. And then you eventually find out that that's actually Rorschach. And that's how he goes around and kind of watches people. Like he plays oh, this role he, that nobody's really going to notice. But he's, he's hiding really in just plain collecting sight. Information. He's hiding in plain sight and collecting information on everybody oh. around him. And, and so they he's, show he's, him he's, like once or twice in the movie. But No, he, he actually pops up like four or five times actually. Oh, does he? Yeah, <laughs> see, and I, I didn't even I, notice I, him. <laughs> See me knowing who who that is. I was it was like totally obvious to me every time he popped up. I'm just like, oh, there goes Rorschach again because he. <laughs> I think um, for the comedian's funeral, he pops up first when the the cars arrive, and then he's there yeah. again, walking slowly past them, watching them, and he, you know, he's yeah. like on the streets, uh, just holding the sign, um, watching people like cross the street or whatever, and so he's he pops up a lot. And it was cool yes. that they kept that from the the source material. That, That's that what I'm saying. Theme. I feel like they did a really good job of following the source material the best that they could for you know a major motion picture. Yeah, true. So I gotta give him, I gotta give them credit for that. Oh, definitely. And you know, again, that's I think Rorschach was definitely my my favorite character for sure. I just felt like he was 
the very flawed characters as well because you know he wasn't like the biggest strongest guy on the team or whatever um oh which reminds me why the hell was ozymandias so like more skilled at fighting than everyone else like he was like a good like five steps ahead of everyone you know, like he was stronger than everyone. He was quicker and he just had the better fighting ability. I feel like maybe it had something to do with his inte- intelligence because he is really supposed to be like the smartest dude. So you felt like he, so he maybe, was so smart that he could kind of read people's body language and he understood like so. how yeah, to Yeah, exactly. Uh, he has that in- that intuition and whatnot. Because when he, because otherwise when he, he wasn't special either. When he fights uh, the comedian, like comedian, you would, you would assume had like the strength advantage, right? But mm-hmm. dude, he was like way quicker than him. Because uh, mm-hmm. do you do you remember when he throws the uh, he, he he throws the cup at uh, Ozymandias in the doorway, and then he rolls to like grab the gun, and then he turns around, and Ozzy's already like to his right, and, and like knocks the gun out of his hand or whatever. Yeah. So I, I thought it was interesting that he went there to kill the comedian, but he didn't want to do it with any weapons. Like he wanted to draw out mm. the punishment because he disarmed him for the gun. And when the comedian tries to throw the, the kitchen knives, he catch he either dodges them or he catches them and just throws them into the ground. And, and then he's he trained just, himself to be fast enough to catch a bullet too. Yeah, that's true. Towards the end. I feel, like, like, he they, yeah, I feel like they might touch on that or I feel like they might uh, delve deeper into that in the comics. So if, you know, hopefully I get a chance to reread the comic because now I definitely want to. And I kind of, I wanted to reread it for this podcast, but Mm. I definitely did not have the time, you know, with all <laughs> the kiddos and stuff. Um, so I eventually want to reread it, and then I'll get to tell you for sure, you know, what what Ozymandias' deal with that was. Oh yeah, if it was just really good training, or if there was something more to it, because I don't remember. Yeah, and it's like he took on when when they popped up at his lair, he took on both Rorschach and Night Owl easily. He dispatched them in mm-hmm. like two seconds. Yeah, and oh, then yeah, every exactly. time they, they, they on the cut, floor, and- they, his reflexes were just insane they were inhuman because even when he uh when he stages that that uh attempted uh murder in his uh office right with all the the investors or whatever um or the 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 powerful executives that went to go basically try to threaten him um yeah he like he's he like dodges the bullets like that guy i think was instructed to intentionally try to kill him because he was yeah, he, he was getting he rolls close and he rolls yeah he rolls and he rolls and you know grabs that thing and just swings it at him oh uh, that was at the very thing thing. That was, yeah so, and see again 300 that like that was like a fucking yeah, 300, that was scene right 300. There. <laughs> but it was it was badass yeah i mean i think the that was definitely one of the stylized scenes in the movie but Come on, the Mars scene was fucking awesome. Wow, yeah. Like, what the hell did he even? What was that ship thing that that fortress thing that he he was floating in? It's made out of glass. I think it was supposed to um, look like clockwork because he was a clockmaker, or his dad was a clockmaker, and also taught him how to do. He was was being trained, so that was yeah, yeah. That was his uh, his nod to his clockmaking, clock repairing background. That's so weird. It was a lot of gears turning. Yeah. That, it was like glass fortress. gears and but yet it somehow was he did he design it with some sort of technology to be able to levitate or was he just controlling that telepathically? He was just controlling it. He was just that's just part of his powers. Interesting. Instead of just floating around, he wanted to have this glass castle around him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and actually I was th- I was thinking it looked just looked like a regular castle in the comic, but it looks like it um actually looks clockish through huh. my uh, damaged oh, okay. screen. I love so that, that that scene was actually in the movie too, where he's just floating there all naked. Yeah, yeah. You can see the perfect curvature of his butt. 
<laughs> Are you saying he has the perfect butt? He has a pretty nice butt, I guess. <laughs> Muscular. Muscular, but like it has some plump to it. Like it's not flat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I that's another thing too with uh his with Doctor Manhattan's nudity. Oh yeah, it's it's more of a castle in the the comic. Yeah, it cool. looks more yeah. like a castle for sure. I think in this one, it just looked like a bunch of gears. Yeah, still cool looking though. Yeah, it still has gear. It still has like a oh, gear sick. kind of situation going with it. You know. You know another thing about that castle is how how did it come out of the ground just fine? He but just when created he did, it out of nothing. Oh, when, but when, then he, so when he lands it, it's like still going into the ground. But then Lori punches it, and it all just crumbles. I feel like that was kind of because I noticed that too, and I was thinking like that's. I feel like that is. Like a re- representation of her effect on him, mm-hmm. or maybe like he, just a representation of her, of her. Yeah, he definitely let it happen. Is of her a manifestation of her uh, grief? But either way, he was letting it happen. He was letting her take her grief out on it, or he was showing that she was breaking him down. I think that's what it was. So I think it was the fact that she was actually getting around to to Doctor Manhattan because that was always the thing. Was like no one could ever convince him that like humans were worth saving and and yeah, once he found did. out about her her uh, bloodline and her history and how she turned out that was he called her a miracle you know yeah yeah and he was like you turned out just fine and you were born into all, from all this chaos from his point of it's view beautiful. Th- that, that's a miracle yeah yeah it was beautiful it was pretty cool um but it's interesting to me that some some things he could see and some things he couldn't like he would be like oh we're about to go have this conversation and you're going to try and convince me to save the world and you know the conversation is going to end with you in tears but mm-hmm. he couldn't see that he was going to change his mind yeah because he could he could see the the future and all the outcomes and everything but then once he had that conversation with Lori, she i think she actually kind of surprised him yeah i think so too but he should have seen it coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he's freaking dr manhattan that's right you can see it all, the future, the past. He lives it all at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. I did want to touch on the fact that it was kind of funny that the creators of Watchmen, so they specifically mentioned and they, they addressed Dr. Manhattan's nudity because they, they wanted to actually have him in more scenes nude. But um, obviously, you know, like for for live action movies, they they couldn't really do that. And um, they, and I think they actually, they actually toned down his genitals because they didn't want people to be like distracted in those scenes either. So they wanted to I just make so it. Too. Yeah, I feel like I heard that too. But that, it's funny because <laughs> that they didn't want him nude in more scenes because that right there was his exact point that <laughs> that it doesn't matter, and yet everyone's all like worked up about it. Yeah, you know? they're like dick and balls, like all over the place. I don't know yeah, what you're exactly. saying because everyone's just focused on his dick and balls. Yep. <laughs> And his muscular butt. <laughs> that was just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so cool with all the nudity. It's fine. I did want to uh, touch on uh, one more thing with the movie. And, okay. and that's the end. So that's Rorschach's journal, which is, it's kind of his monologue throughout the movie. Like he has a bunch yes. of different monologues. And the comic. In, in, in the comic. And that ends up serving as a, you know, those are just entries in Rorschach's journal. And he actually, before they even go uh, confront Ozymandias in his lair in Antarctica, um, he drops off the the journal right at the yes. the newspaper. So yeah, he had a he had a feeling that that was going to be his he was last, like, just in case. Yeah. yeah, just in case I don't leave Antarctica alive. He wanted mm. he still wanted the truth to be out there. And actually, the comic so, ends with the same you know, scene. The reporter finding the journal, I believe. 
it's just so you don't get to see what comes out of it yeah junk so in a lot of ways he's kind of similar to ozymandias because ozymandias had that plan b where he's like i'm just gonna set off this plan before any anyone can stop it so rorschach kind of did the same thing he kind of one-upped ozymandias yeah which i thought was interesting because not in no no way did anyone think that rorschach was the smartest guy on the team in a lot of ways he you know he just went on pure emotion and stuff like that and you know that was you know that's how he got caught up by that trap ozymandias um sets that trap with was it moloch so he has he forces moloch to basically kill himself and then um, he calls the cops because he knows that rorschach's gonna go there and then you know rorschach gets is pretty much arrested. Like, you know, he takes out like a few, few of the cops, I think like a respectable, like 12 guys or whatever, but eventually he gets outnumbered. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what leads to him going to prison. But Oh, oh, that's another thing, dude, that line that he says in In the, uh, in prison was fucking awesome. Yeah. That's the like whole, the line yeah. that that perfectly personifies who Rorschach is, and that's the. the whole, I'm not. You're, I'm not you're stuck, not in, here stuck in here. You're not. I'm stuck not stuck in, in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. With me, and that was such a fucking awesome scene. Because you think like, yeah, like, dude, this guy's small, and I think he's small in the comics too, right? Like, he's he's not yeah. very physically intimidating. Yeah. But dude, man, like, he can handle himself. Oh yes, he can. Even even those guys that are trying to get to him in his cell, and he's just like, bring it. You know, let's do this. He never even never wants to uh, back down, and you know, eventually he <laughs> he got the last laugh with that that guy that was the shot caller. Yeah. In a nutshell, that was pretty much Watchmen. Yeah. I was gonna say something else in response to the whole in response to the whole like them up one upping each other and stuff. Who uh, Rorschach and Rorschach having his whole his whole backup plan because no one expected that from Rorschach either. You know, they didn't want to out Ozymandias because they thought that it would you know lead back to nuclear war if uh, if they found out his plan and they would all start right. blaming each other and stuff right 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 but in the show if i recall correctly in the show you know because he left the journal he was outed right and then that was why ozymandias had to go to the moon is am i am i correct i i believe so but like at the same time if it was rorschach's journal why was rorschach the the face of the villains you know like basically the kkk he was like the new face of the kkk and that's why I didn't I like about the show. Was I was like, that's kind of that's weird that like they made they took Rorschach's name and basically just dragged it through the mud even further because he. I think a lot of people kind of kept who he was secret as it as it is. He did a lot of things that were kind of dirty and it, they weren't you know they weren't the most peaceful methods. But in the end, he wanted to do what was right. He wanted justice, and um, he didn't care how he looked in the public's yeah. eyes. So I think in a lot of ways, um, people's the public's opinion on him was that he was kind of this this like uh, outlaw or vigilante, and and he needed mm-hmm. he needed to be taken off the streets. Yeah, I don't so think I, that. I don't, I don't think I that, that ever. People in uh, general had the had a good had a good opinion of him. You know. Yeah, exactly. I think I wonder if he continued to have that reputation even after the news that was released the by came out. Uh, Rorschach yeah. Yeah, came out. Dang, I, I'm going to have to pay, pay closer attention if I ever rewatch the show to that, to those details. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'll probably go back and rewatch the show too, because I know Brenda after having watched the movie, um, she was like, man, I want to watch the show now. Yeah, me too. I want to see those little squid babies. <laughs> Since we didn't <laughs> get the giant squid. And then, and then they try to kill everybody at the, at the end with a uh, frozen squid babies. Was it? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Wasn't there like some weird phenomenon where like once a day it would just rain squid for like a second and then they yeah, would just Yeah, he die? had it. Well, it was like a few minutes or whatever, but he had it like scheduled like around the world from, Ant- 
Antarctica. So it was still related to Ozymandias and the squid monster. Right, right. Because he had this just like tank full of baby squid and they would just, you know, reproduce or whatever. And he would just rain them randomly around the world every so often on a schedule. And it was so, so continuous that like people just became desensitized to it. Like, oh, shit, hold on. And then they dissolve after a while. Yeah, so gross. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. This has been Affliction Oz Podcast Episode 4, Watchmen. And if you made it this far in the podcast, then uh, you've... You get a prize! Just kidding. You get an all-inclusive tour of Mars, courtesy of Dr. Manhattan. (laughs) There's the prize. There you go. (laughs) You get to fly around the glass castle. That'd be pretty cool, actually. As long as he remembers to let you breathe. If he was like the tour guide, that'd be fucking hilarious because he's just like so like monotone and disinterested. I know. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, that's a rock and like... that's a rock. And this is this crater is a happy face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again yeah. for joining us. We'll we'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye. Later. So if we do if we do something like this again, we'll